This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your girl, Jessie Mae Peluso. I wonder how many times you've heard that. When did we start doing it that way? And will it always be that way? How you doing? How you living? How you learning? How you loving? This week is a special Dr. P episode. We had so many questions to catch up on from the holidays and from me being sick. I appreciate you guys. I was out last week. I couldn't stop coughing and I thought that wouldn't make for a really good episode judging by the prior episode where I had excused myself because I was coughing. So I decided to take a week off to rest my voice and to get my energy back. And I realized I still had a lot of Dr. Peluso questions to get to. So I was like, you know what? They deserve it. The people need it. We've come off of 2020. One, and we're getting getting into 2022. We need some motherfucking help. And if you want to watch the podcast, as you know, you go right over to the YouTube page. Please send your friends over. I want to have a fucking million subscribers. That's my goal. And I don't know by when. I don't know why. It ended this year. Fuck it. Going into 2023, I want a million subscribers. A million. Not a million. A million. Tell your aunt, your cousin, your dad, your rich single dad, get him over to the fucking YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash Jesse May Peluso. Tell him to buck up. I'm an honest bitch, but you know, I'm also really cute and, and I think I give some pretty good fucking advice. And what else is coming up? My tour with Carly. Girl, we are touring with our podcast this spring. We're coming to a city near you. You better buck up. We're coming to Atlanta, Georgia, Nashville, Tennessee, Brooklyn, New York, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, Boozman, and Missoula, Montana, Burlington, Vermont, Austin, Texas, Chicago, Illinois, uh, Royersford, Pennsylvania, and a couple other cities we're probably going to be tacking on. That's April through June. com forward slash tour for tickets. Come see us live. There'll be stand-up and podcasting, so make sure you just choose which night you want to come out to. I think we have one podcasting night, uh, or one podcasting and one stand-up show. So just make sure you differentiate so you don't get stuck watching a podcast or watching stand-up. Make sure you pick what you want. And what else is happening? I will, oh, don't forget my Netflix show. Even though it premiered in July, we still want you to watch it. You Tattoo Redo on Netflix. I'm the host. It's amazing. It was so much fun. Um, there's, I think, six episodes. And hopefully we're going to be filming more this year. And I've got some stuff with Spotify coming out. I'm, I'm pumped. Started writing my book. All things, all wheels are in the right direction and we are focused and going to get our goals done 
this year are bigger goals that had to get put off a little bit because of COVID. But now no more, no more, no more excuses, guys. We're going into this motherfucker. All cylinders firing. Let's do this. And let's get into this episode. You guys know her. You love her. She's board uncertified with a PhD in THC. The one, the only, the honest, the uneducated Dr. Peluso. Sharp Tongue Podcast. Beep, 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 beep. You're listening to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse May Jessie Peluso. Peluso. It's a personal look. Well, it's not really a look because it's a podcast. I'm already fucking this up. This is kind of like a verbal comedy diary, a deep look into the crevices of my mind. It's going to get dirty. You might cry. You'll probably laugh. Hopefully you'll laugh. The whole point is for you to laugh, but you also might cry. I talk about my family. I talk about farts. farts. I talk about love, loss, comedy, how hard it is to make it in this biz. I'm a fucking professional. Each week it's something different. Sometimes I have a guest host. Sometimes it's going to be a movie companion episode. Sometimes I just ramble about the bullshit I dealt with the week before. You never know what you're going to get. It's raw, uncut, and funny. It's me. Hey, hey, hey. What's going on, everybody? Dr. Peluso up in the guest house. (laughs) Yeah, I decided to stand up today, put a little bit of movement into the podcast you know I always talk about movement and how it's the antidote for most of our ailments and you know all these numbers are flickering this light this little teeny light keeps me up at night right here when I go to bed I flip it down I'm gonna flip it down this is my if you're listening and you're not watching I'm just gonna do a quick description of the room um there's a mirror which is kind of creepy because we don't know what alternate universe survives in there and what lives in there this could be you know the my shadow self could be right there and causing a lot of turmoil at night we don't know but beyond that is a little tree beyond the sea and this tree this tree is part of me this tree (laughs) this tree was my mom's and uh, we have it here, as you can see, it's half lit, like me. Hey, it's Monday. No, it's not. It's Friday. And I keep it up. You know, I'm I'm a sentimental person. I'm somebody who likes to continue the holiday. That's how I am. I'm I, I'm eternally optimistic. I don't know if that's a bad thing. It's just the way I am. I'm an eternally optimistic individual. It's a, maybe a survival tactic that I developed from just my environment as a child, you know, my mom and dad being argumentative and essentially me having a divorce. Well, not me having a divorce, but my family being separated. Uh, Maybe me being eternal optimist is the way I survived the reality of my situation. And now look at me. I'm a fake doctor on a podcast. I don't know if you can see my stethoscope. (laughs) My stethoscope is blended in with this coordinate that really is just fantastic. This is a free coordinate that my sister gave me. I think Pause is a company. Um, They are not in any way affiliated with the podcast, but I think they're relatively a decent company. I think they give back to animals in need. What about the people? We don't care about the people. It's only about the puppies. Speaking of puppies, I'm here for you puppies. This is a Dr. P episode. I am drinking my special tea, my THC tea, 
with a little bit of CBD as well um, and OPP, you know. <sighs> Nothing like a little bit of peppermint tea to really get you cracking in the in the morning, to really just get you going and, and getting your body all fueled up. And I'm here for you puppies. This is a Dr. P episode. We've got some questions left over from Dr. Peluso on the Instagram story. If you're listening to this for the first time and you're like, what the fuck am I listening to? This is a runoff. I started doing this after the Dr. P became a popular thing on my podcast. I'm sorry, on my Instagram, I realized I couldn't get to all the questions always. So I migrated the questions, unanswered questions. And some questions I go back into just because I think they're relative to what we talk about on this podcast and certainly to what I like to talk about. So I have a surplus of questions left over from the Instagram story. But on Mondays, if you don't want to have your shit blown up, you can go over to the Instagram and essentially it probably will get blown up because it's going to end up on the fucking podcast. But if you're putting your name down, I'm assuming you don't mind me calling you out and, and maybe even you want me to because you want a little bit of, you know, some extra attention and I'm here for it. So uh, these are extras from the, f- this is actually the first Dr. P batch of questions from the first week of January, which I learned. I don't know if you guys know this. Let me tell you something I learned because I looked up the meaning of January because I'm a nerd and I found out that it comes from the Roman calendar. We follow a Gregorian calendar, but that's derivative of a Roman calendar that was created by um, this guy. What was his name? Romulus. He was the first Roman emperor ever, and he essentially created all of the calendar days. And January stands for Janus, which apparently was some god, a god of um, a lot of things, (laughs) particularly beginnings and transitions. And also a god of doors. So this is what happens when you get stoned and you read the facts. Facts that don't fucking matter. That should be my show. Um, So he's the god of transitions and beginnings. That's January because it's coming out of one year and going into another year. He could see into the past and the future. Or she. Why do all gods? There's goddesses as well. Let's call her Janet for the sake of, you know, pussy power. So this goddess, Janet... was the goddess of transitions and beginnings and she could see in the past and the future it's january it's the you know precipice between the old year and the new year and also a goddess of doors you know january being the door into the new year so happy fucking janus aka janet representing that's what i learned i learned today what what january meant hey the more you know brought to you by marijuana these questions brought to you by our greatest fans, the greatest fans ever. I'm coming to you live <clears throat> off of being not 100% well. I do not have COVID, but I have something that's been wreaking havoc in my body. So uh, I'm coming to you just raw, raw, uncut, and real. This is the real world. <laughs> okay, let's get to some questions. <laughs> okay, um, Tone Hero asks, how long should a man last in bed? That's a really good question. I think this is really, this really pertains to and is dependent upon what you really want out of the moment. I will say as a man, being able to last longer might behoove you because some women have a more challenging road to climaxing. So you might just have to have some patience. 
that's all it's going to entail on your end in, in developing patience and skills to please your woman. Let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you. Girls, it is your responsibility, I think, to figure out what makes you feel good. You know, you can't go your whole life not knowing how to please yourself because how are you going to have other people please you if you don't know how to do it? You're both going to be down there looking for a fucking pot of gold that doesn't exist. So I think it's important for a woman to take over her own pleasure, the pleasure zone. Figure it out. Figure out what works in your pleasure zone for you, you know? Experiment. But for men, lasting long, look, I'm going to tell you most days I'm good with like 10 minutes. And I don't mean like every day. It's what I'm doing. I'm just saying like a marathon sex session isn't something that a woman looks forward to regularly. I think I can speak on behalf of most women. I could be wrong. There might be a bunch of you out there that are like, no, fuck you, Jesse May. I want to go to pound town for eight hours with no snack breaks. That's just not my life. I need some reinforcements. I need some snacks. I need some some trail mix. I might need some beef jerky and not the kind that you brought to the party, sir. So how long should you last is really dependent on the moment. How long do you guys want it to last? Five minutes? An hour? I think it's really, you got to read the room on that one, bud. But I do say, and do stand by, the fact that I think you should learn how to last a little bit longer. Because there are going to be a lot of women out there who have difficulty reaching climax within a certain set of minutes and time and, and hours and parameters. It's difficult for a lot of women. So as a dude and, and w women listening, the more you diversify your sexual platform and the more you diversify your sexual trunk of skills, the more fun you're going to have having sex. But two minutes is enough. <laughs> That's gospel. Um, bittersweet 777. Is there such a thing as smoking too much Mary Jane? Of course. Too much of a good thing is never enough. Haven't you heard of that? Of course. Of course you can smoke too much. And that's unfortunate. You got to ride that train though. You know, I think when you smoke too much, it's a little bit more easy to have a hand it over <laughs> as my edibles kicking in. I think smoking is a little bit easier to have a handle over having edibles because edibles, once it's in you, it's in you. It's stuck. It's like love. You just, you have to let it destroy you before it gets any better. There's no shortcut. You know, and you really don't want the shortcut anyways, because through that destruction, there's amazing revelations. There's wonderful epiphanies and things you realize about yourself and ways you occur in the world and how you are that you have a chance and opportunity to face and understand and change and evolve. But you can't have too much weed for sure. And sometimes it's fucking awful. It can be brutal. It can be a, a very introspective horrific roller coaster ride that you are just strapped in. You're strapped in and you've got to, you got to hang on. But you know, that's why I always say, even though I'm in the cannabis community and industry and I've received, you know, for the most part, I have amazing fans. You guys are awesome and positive and fun and cool and all, all different walks of life. And I, I love my fan base, but there's people in the cannabis community that just because I don't smoke a big fat blunt every day, flunt, I smoke flunts every day, just not blunts because I'm not smoking the way they think I should smoke that I'm not a part of the community. And for me, I just, 
I, I like what I like when I like it. And there's this time place for everything. And, you know, I think for people who want to get involved in cannabis or any sort of extracurricular activity, <laughs> any medicine, mushrooms, psilocybin, things like that, I always say and have always said, go low and slow. Check yourself, figure out where where your sweet spot is. And sometimes you got to, you know, just jump the fuck in to find that place. Sometimes you just got to jump in the fucking lake without testing the water to know if you can swim, if you can handle that temperature. And that's okay. That's, that's, that's for you to figure out, for you to decide. But when it comes to things like drugs and being able to enjoy them and medicines like marijuana, I think if you, it would behoove yourself if you started off on a slower pace, because then you can really discern where that differentiation between the microdose and the dosages start to really work for you in different ways. And that's why I call the plant a medicine, why I've always called it a medicine, because I've discovered that for myself, being able to sort of fine tune it and just adjust the dial slowly, you can find where there's the least amount of static. And, you know, finding that within <clears throat> all is not created equal, I think, in, in the cannabis culture. And specifically when you're talking about like the science and the manufacturing of a product, it's like anything, all is not created equal. So one particular plant is not going to work the same from another company. So you really have to, I think for me, when I find something I like, I stick with it. I buy a hundred of it and I'm loyal to it. And I think you have to sort of be the same way when it comes to cannabis because it's not all created equal. So it's really important for you to figure out what plant, what strain, what type of consumption works for you. And that's where you can really have some fun with it. That's where you can really start to utilize it as a medicine. And when I say that, I'm talking to like stay-at-home moms or moms in general or single dads or a parent in general or, you know, somebody who's um, a cancer patient or somebody struggling with chronic pain. All of you have the ability to sort of figure out what works for you and what dose works for you because there's so many different ways that this plant can be implemented into your life based on its dosage where it can have different effects for you. Different things involving pain management or focus or being able to sleep better or getting your appetite. That's where the science really comes in. That's where it becomes a true medicine. And that's not to say over-consuming doesn't, is it, it, I'm trying to defer you from or d deter you from I'm just saying that when you overconsume, that can also be a medicine and that's where the introspection comes in and that's where you're able to have these revelations about yourself. But uh, when you start on a microdosing level, that's when you can really start to fine tune it and use it for headaches and use it for lack of sleep and, um, you know, a lack of appetite. It's, it's, it's truly an, a, an amazing plant and uh, I have a bunch of it running through my system right now. <laughs> So I hope that answered your question, bittersweet777. Oh, my homeboy, Tyler Labine. What's up, Tyler? How you doing, bud? Tyler asked this question on, on my story, but I wanted to answer it in the pod because it's such a hot topic because I always talk about wanting a rich single dad, which is true, but I've added another superlative or trait, if you will, a prerequisite. We can call it that. That's a little bit tough, but I talk about like in thick, thick daddies. I like thick daddies. I like a nice fucking mustache. I like Rip, Rip Wheeler from Yellowstone is my fucking sweet space. Okay. Rip 
Wheeler from Yellowstone, you better stop. You better stop. Okay. I'm not a homewrecker. And, and Cole Hauser, <clears throat> the actor that plays Rip Wheeler, he's married. Cole Hauser is married. Rip Wheeler, as, as far as I see it, is single and ready to mingle with this little cutie cutie right here. Ripped, Rip Wheeler? Ooh, Rip Wheeler, though? Yo, Rip Wheeler. Ooh, man, every time I see him on screen, I'm ovulating. Every time that man comes on the screen, I'm ovulating. Are you kidding me? Ooh, the thickness, the, the girth, the way he handles that saddle, his smile, his just everything his smile his scorn his scowl the whole package the whole package i am here for and the package the belt buckle shit rip wheeler's belt buckle gets me going it's it's just if someone were to ask me who's your type that's it right there go ahead millionaire matchmaker go ahead go ahead and find my husband and he better be on a fucking horse ranch Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. He better be on a fucking, he better be mounted. All right. That's all I got to say. Mama wants a mounted man. Put that on a fucking coffee mug. Yes, I do. So my friend Tyler Labine, who's an actor, you guys might know him from New Amsterdam. My, one of my favorite movies, Tuck, Tuck and Dale, <laughs> Tucker and Dale versus evil. He's been on the podcast before. He's amazing. Um, he asks, how thick do you like him? asking for all my thick friends. Thick, Tyler, thick. Okay, the thicker the better. It better be thick, not T-H-I-C-K thick, but T-H-I-C-C thick. I want a thick daddy. I want a Rip Wheeler. I want a Dave Bautista. I want a thick son of a bitch. A Jason Momoa. Yes, just a tree trunk with a t-shirt on. That's what I'm talking about. Just a ripped, thick son of a bitch. Is that too much for a girl to ask? And also be rich and single? Come on. Where are you? Where are you is what I'm asking. Where are these thick daddies? Somebody tell me. Somebody tell me where, where do they live? Do I got to go to fucking Montana? And I will be in Montana in April. So if you got some thick daddies that live in Montana, you better come through. You better come through. Okay? I'm just locking the door in case the little kids come in. You better come through. If there's thick daddies, I'll be in Boozman, Montana. And I think Missoula, Montana, and in April on my tour with Carly. So fucking come through. Both of her and I are single. Bring your thick daddies. Bring them. We want to see what you what you guys are working with. Ride up to the show on a horse. Ride up to the show on a horse. You know, and I used to feel not even insecure, just... I used to feel like maybe I shouldn't have a type, you know? Is it bad to type? Is it bad to have a type? Fuck that. Fuck that. Are you kidding me? I have a type, and it's thick, rich, and single. Clip it, Deb. Yes, I have a type. <laughs> We're going to make a shirt that says clip it, Deb. I do. And it, rich and thick. Is that so bad? I, and, and, and it's not because I'm a gold digger. It's not because I want you to provide for me. Let me, let me clarify. 
anybody listening who's got a rich, thick daddy who would be good for me. And you're like, oh, I don't want this, this gold digging bitch. No, I'm not looking for a sugar daddy. I, I'm good. I, I have, I'm my own person. I take care of myself. I pay my own bills. I have a team. I have three dogs. I'm a fucking, I don't need you to pay for my life. I want you to be paying for yours and I want you to be working towards something. And I, and I want to learn from you and I want you to learn from me and I want us to challenge each other, but I also want you to be fucking mounted. Is that too much to ask? Is that where I'm going to lose a large percentage of eligible bachelors because I'm requiring them to literally show up on a horse? Am I pigeonholing myself by asking for men to show up? <laughs> in a wool suit with with a chain meal on it on a fucking Clydesdale and mid, from Middle Earth from some portal in Middle Earth smelling like oils of a land that doesn't exist is that too much to ask really oh I'm high maintenance well then color me high maintenance because that's just where where I'm at that's just where the fuck I'm at okay there was another question I think I answered that. <laughs> Tyler, how thick? That thick. Oh, there's my throat. That thick. See, even I'm starting to choke on the thickness just thinking about it. <laughs> okay, this question was asked on my Instagram story, but I also wanted to talk about it and address it. Um, Carrie McDonald asks, any advice for how to deal with a friend or coworker who gives you the silent treatment because they're mad? Here's the thing about friends and coworkers. There's a way to set boundaries. And here's here's the thing with people in general. Setting boundaries will only enrich in your relationship. Setting boundaries and creating standards for yourself when it comes to dealing with people and allowing people into your life because people by nature will be energy exchanging uh, individuals you know by by nature when we're around people they either add to our energy or deplete it and because of that that that, that comes at a cost and you have to really start to realize the value of your energy and where you're spending it even when it comes to your office and your workplace because people think for some reason and maybe this is uh, I'm coming from the wrong angle because I am a self-employed person I have been self-employed for so long I have a luxury of being my own boss which comes with its own difficulties having to self-motivate and self be you know account for yourself and and, and start to really set your own standards and, and push yourself I might be coming from uh, you know the other side of the fence but I really think that you still can set standards and still can set boundaries and have the workplace that you really want for yourself and if it's not, you do have a choice to fucking leave. You have the fucking choice. There's always a choice to leave and do something different. And it might not be the different that you want, but it could be the different that's good for you for right now to get to the different that you want. And I think that's a matter of having some perspective and realizing that maybe biting the bullet and being in a situation that's less ideal for now might get you to a place that is more ideal later. So it's all about just hedging your bets and making sure that you're making progress and steps in the direction of having a life that you want to live because saying that that's impossible is just a story you're telling yourself to convince yourself you're not worthy of it or that you don't have to put in the work, the hard work it is that's required to be put in in order to attain a life that you want because for the most part, the lives that we want require a lot of sacrifice and and 
require us to have a set of skills, a certain set of skills like Liam Neeson and fucking and taken. There's no way he would have gotten his daughter if he wasn't if he didn't live that life. And that life that he lived was to get to become a good dad. And the moment he'd be trying to become a good dad, his daughter gets robbed and thieved from him. So, you know, we're all we're all shot to shit. We're we're all up shit's creek without a paddle. <laughs> but I think the point that I am attempting to make is that you don't have to deal with anyone who gives you the silent treatment. I honestly think the silent treatment is for people who don't know how to communicate maturely and who don't have a grasp on their own emotions and how to control them. Silent, a silent treatment is not anyone who's in control. It's the exact opposite. It's somebody who's so out of control with their emotions. They don't know how to convey them. And the only, this is an opinion. Okay. I'm not a psychologist. Maybe there's some uh, psychological benefit to not speaking what you feel. I don't know. Uh, that's not something that I've come across, but from my own experiences, the things I've experienced, and if you've listened to this podcast from the beginning, you know the trauma I've been through. It's never behooved me to shut my mouth. And in fact, opening my mouth has saved me a lot in my life. (laughs) Not that way, you pervert. I honestly think that dealing with somebody who doesn't have the tools or want to use the tools that are required of you in order to have an adult conversation dealing with that sort of person is an energy depleter dealing with that sort of person even even their silence is depleting your energy it's kind of a manipulative move it's a way for them to control the situation because by them giving you the silent treatment that requires you to say something first and so when you say something first then they're getting the love they think that they deserve which is causing an argument and chaos and not becoming accountable to it and in fact stepping away from it and not expressing their feelings at all and then the other person comes to them and then the cycle probably repeats itself um that's this is just my opinion on it and i am open to hearing other people's ideologies behind this but you're giving me the silent treatment you're gonna be fucking not talking to anybody it's not gonna work on me the silent treatment will not work on me because I'm a fucking Sicilian. There's no nothing silent about a Sicilian. Everything we do is loud. And 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 as an expressive woman and a comedian, there's just no. I mean, Charlie Chaplin was the last silent comedian. <laughs> and there's no part of my life that will grow if I stay silent. So for you, how to deal with your your coworker or a friend who gives you the silent treatment is one of two ways. Don't talk to them ever again, which still can kind of leave something on the table emotionally. And that's not fair. It's still a manipulative move on both your parts. I think the best way through something is literally through it. There's no way around something. We like to convince ourselves there's ways around something. There's no way around anything. Even if you're on the water in a boat and you go around a rock, you're still on the water. You're, you're not really going around anything. You're still on the water. So I think the best way is just to go right through it and, and to go through the silence and be like, hey, what's going on? Uh, is there a reason why you're not talking to me? And, you know, the, the best way, I think, is just to express yourself and let it go. The people who are silent, I think, also are trying to hijack your emotions and trying to manipulate your emotions in a way that they feel like they can occupy space 
in your life and cause you stress. And that's their, their idea of what love is. And, and to them, that's an idea of either how they were expressed love to as a child or how they expressed love by as a child or by their parents. It's all usually reflective of that. And you don't got to fucking deal with that bitch. Where are you working? Chipotle? Fuck. Who cares? You don't have to deal with that. And a friend, it's just not fair. If you're mad, say why you're mad, man. You know how many fucking relationships are ruined because people don't have the balls or vulnerability or self-awareness or or just general consideration to discuss and have a conversation about something? So many relationships are ruined because people don't want to do that. Yeah, it's the harder thing. Of course, it's the fucking harder thing because usually in order for it to work, it requires you to be vulnerable and it requires you to take some fucking accountability, which you should do if you're a fucking adult. Take some damn accountability. It's the only way you're going to grow. And and let me tell you, it sucks to have to go, man, I was wrong or I've been doing this this way and it it just sucks. You know what sucks more is is continuing to live in a way carrying habits and behaviors that don't serve you and in fact push amazing people away from your life and out of your life that fucking sucks more and sometimes it's hard to see that when you're in it sometimes it's hard to see your own destruction when you're causing it you know your your glasses get fogged up and your perceptions all fucked up and that's why you come to podcasts like mine to get some fucking perspective from this fake ass doctor who's been through some shit and i just think Life is way too short. I certainly have witnessed that firsthand to hold grudges, but it's also too short to hold somebody else's grudge. And I think that that's what silent treatments are. It's just some fucking insecure, childish grudge that somebody who didn't learn how to communicate has developed. And I don't have time for that. We have to either talk through it or I'm going to walk through it and be out the dough. It's as simple as that, sis. You don't have to deal with it. And the more you deal with things like that, you have to realize that that's what you think you're worth. You know, the one thing that um, I learned from that uh, Tony Robbins sings, and, and this is something that has been said, and it's something that he has expressed and has shared, where, ener- where focus goes, energy flows. So it's all about where your focus is. You know, and I'm not trying to be um, some motivational speaker. I think I am naturally because I enjoy it. I'm passionate about it. What I'm trying to express to you is what you don't need to fucking put up with anymore. And managing somebody else's ill-developed emotional capacity is no longer your fucking responsibility, whether it be your sister, your best friend, or your fucking boss. And you have every right to express your boundaries and standards to another human in order for them to exist in your life so that you both can be productive and contribute to each other's lives. I think setting boundaries really frees you in a way in all of your relationships. It frees you to be productive. It frees you to be collaborative and it frees you to contribute and be less stressed about the communication. So set those boundaries off first set set them up in each of your relationships especially if you start a new job let people know how you work let people know you know this is how i normally function and i do better with this and if you could not be a fucking raging cunt that would be so it's just amazing thank you 
I hope that helped you, sis. You don't got to fucking put up with it. Okay? You ain't got to fucking put up with it. Uh, let's see. Ty Mile. Ty Mile. I don't know. Ty Mile? Can I pretend to be a dad to slide into your DMs or would that be creepy? Well, you just kind of... Your name Your name is interesting. I don't know what your name is. Ty Mile. But you just did... You slid in. So, I mean, are you creepy? I, I, I think I'm asking for it enough that if you slide into the DMs, it's not creepy. But by pretending to be a dad... That's not creepy. It's just kind of rude. Like, don't you? You know what my standards are. You're trying to like, you're you're trying to cut me short, and that's not fair. You know, it's not fair that you're trying to cut me short. Why are you trying to trim some off the top? Do I look like a bitch that would accept something trimmed off the top? No. So go get a kid, have a divorce, and come back to me later. Come back to me in five years, okay? Please. Um, Tio Stevo asks serious question. What would your stripper name be? Okay, how do we we have to calculate that, right? How do we calculate the stripper name? Let me let me Google this. Hold on. I know there's like a it's like your street name and something. Stripper name. Stripper name generator. <laughs> stripper name generator. Let's see what we get on the computer here. Okay, the stripper name generator, the story stack. Okay, get ideas. Okay, these just give you fake ones. Delta Vine, Sister Lettuce, William Beverly. That's some progressive shit. Okay, let's see. How do you get your stripper name? The stripper name generator. Oh, this looks fun. See, we always got to accept cookies. Oh, okay, so I'm technically on the cusp of being a millennial um they're asking me a question about my millennial okay this isn't this isn't exactly it should be much easier to figure out your own fucking stripper name shouldn't it okay let's see stripper name generator okay they're asking me a bunch of questions i think it's your first pet and your street name that's what just popped into my head so that being considered my first pet was oh man who was my first pet my dad, my dad had a dog and my mom had, my dad and mom got a dog early on, but they both had cats, but those weren't, those weren't our pets. They brought those in. So my first dog's name was Maggie and my street name was Turtle. <laughs> so my stripper name would be Maggie Turtle, which is kind of cute. It sounds like the only type of stripping I do is like fully clothed. I sound like a stripper from the 40. How you doing, boys? You want to see some linen underwear? And it's just a full, full fucking granny panty with like sweat stains on it. With stains from, from the bubonic plague. <laughs> Fresh bubonic plague stains. Hey, fellas. Hey, why don't you toss some wooden quarters this way, huh? I'm stripping here for a typhus typh <laughs> flu vaccine. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing at myself. Thank you so much. Um, TX Nate, T Texas Nate. Doctor, do Doctor D and Doctor P work well together? Okay, is Doctor D 
um, Dr. Donahue. Is that, are you talking, uh, who's Dr. D? I don't really know who Dr. D is. I'm thinking of Dr. Donahue, who's been on the podcast, a sexologist and um, sex therapist and um, the amazing man that he is. Him, do we, we, we don't work together because I'm not a real doctor, but we probably would work well together in life because he's adorable. So we'll just put that energy out there. I would love a doctor. Um, T Texas Nate is back. One place in the world you'd like to travel to? That's a good question because, you know, this past year I really thought about a lot about how much I've traveled and the places I've been and how fortunate I've been and that this career has taken me all over the world, literally all over the world. I have traveled to do stand-up. I've done stand-up in Canada. <laughs> why did that make me laugh so hard why because i was i was trying to think of like the countries and and picturing the globe on a like picturing the map and i was gonna go out like go from the closest places I've traveled to outward and envisioning the world map in the first place. <laughs> I say after saying oh, I've traveled all over the world is fucking Canada. I love you, Canada, eh? <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. I I literally, though, have traveled all over the world. Um, and Canada's been a part of that. It's It's another country, even though it feels you know, our neighbors to the north. It feels very close to the American culture in some aspects. Um, obviously, that universal health care and all that shit is a lot different. Um, but as far as like where I want to travel to now, you know, touching base on what I was saying before about how much I've traveled, I, I feel so fortunate. And I have these thoughts in my mind about like, if I were to pass or if I were to die, not to be morbid or macabre, but, you know, it's something that Alan Watts teaches. And, and I was listening to Alan Watts driving on one of my cross-country trips once, and he was talking about people's need to become comfortable with the idea of death and the idea of dying and death and decay and in how it it sort of can strengthen our humanity and get us more in touch with our humanity and in fact make us live in a more um f like fervorous way you know like living and grasping for life every day is more attainable when you realize the impending and eternal experience of death and so you know not that i'm sitting here like oh i want to die I, I think about it sometimes to put that theory to test the Alan Watts theory. And I think it is true. And because I've thought about that a little bit, I've thought about, well, where, if I were to go, I don't want to, I'm not ready. And I'm not putting that energy out there whatsoever. I'm not fucking ready to go anywhere, but I've thought about my life to this point and all that I've experienced. And I've really, man, I have gone so many fucking places and had so many amazing experiences from doing the USO tour to in Iraq and Afghanistan and Bahrain and um, Poland and Norway. And I've traveled to Norway prior to that doing shows in Oslo and Stavanger. I have traveled to um, 
England and have done shows in London. I've traveled to Scotland. I've done shows in Edinburgh, Edinburgh at the base of Arthur's Seat, right in that beautiful city of Scotland. I have traveled to, not done stand-up, but I have traveled to Italy, which is the homeland, the, the motherland. I actually haven't been to the motherland. That's Sicily specifically, but I, you know, to to the fake Italians, as my grandma would call them. <laughs> no offense to you guys. It's just something my grandma said. You know Italians and Sicilians. Come on. I've traveled to Jamaica. I've been to, oh God, Japan. I've done shows in Japan. I have traveled, and Tokyo is so amazing. I've traveled to, um, obviously, on a cruise, Carnival Cruise, to all the oceans, pretty much. You know, Carnival Cruise from Miami to whatever fucking country that white people like to treat like a zoo. I've traveled a lot, and I've done comedy in a lot of these places. And I think about, you know, if I were to go, would I be happy having traveled the places that I've already traveled to thus far? <clears throat> and the answer is no. I still want to see so much. I I think I think Africa would be amazing. Uh, it's one continent I have not put my foot on and I, I would love to set my feet there and just go through all those countries and experience all those different cultures and the food and the traditions and just such a totally different experience of life. I would love to. So if there's any rich daddies out there who do animal friendly and human friendly safaris that would like to take me to an African safari on a first date, I am totally open to that. A hundred percent open to that. Truly, absolutely. And completely open to that. But I, that's, I think Africa, I think Africa is the one place I would love to travel to and experience. Sherman, Blake Sherman, 5465. Did the doctor get to interview Elliot? I did get to interview Elliot. My little nephew, Elliot, wanted to do a podcast. He actually created his own podcast and called it The Scissor Cut, which I think is so adorable. And, you know, we recorded... And I, I've thought about putting it up on YouTube, but I just don't want to put my nephew out there like that. YouTube's a different story. Um, so I'm going to put it up on my Patreon, my conversation. A bunch, you guys asked a bunch of questions to, to my, for my nephew, Elliot. So him and I had a conversation and we answered the questions and we made a deal with Karina, who was a little bit younger than him, that she could do a podcast too, but Elliot wanted to do his separate. It's so funny. Like they're so young, but they... Right off the bat, I like these little Christopher Columbuses that want to own and control all the, the aspects of their life. They want their own and they want to call it their own. So Karina was like, okay. And I said, the deal is you got to be quiet and you have to respect Elliot and his recording. And you can't talk during it because you wouldn't want that done during yours, would you? And she's like, no. And I was like, so you understand you can't talk or interrupt while Elliot and I are recording. It's very important. She's like, Yeah. Don't you know this little bitch? 30 seconds into us recording, she's like, burp, burp. I can't even be mad at her. I can't even be mad at her because that'd be me too. Tell me not to show up in the frame and I'm just going to be like, <laughs> just peeking in. She's, and there's something about that. I think because she's a young girl that I really like 
that she challenges, even though it's not necessarily the most behaving way to act. It's still, for me as a woman, the fact that she's got balls enough to challenge makes me feel good because she's my family member and I want her to be tough. But so yes, Elliot and I recorded. I will put it on Patreon <clears throat> for sure. I will definitely, definitely, definitely do that. Um, I'm going to answer some questions from a couple uh, this last month. I don't think I got to all of these. We've done an accumulation of Dr. Peluso questions. And these ones are from a previous post that we had on my page. Um, okay, this is from E. L. Trojan. E. At Trojan. E. At Trojan. Eat my Trojan. Please don't out me at City Winery for sliding in your DMs. My fiance will be mad at me. God damn. What is wrong with you people? And this is the thing with social media. It's just it, the, our connection to everybody. It's just so easy to connect with people. I hope you're joking. I hope you're joking, okay? Truthfully, I hope you're joking. Um, I hope you love your fiance. If you're if you have a fiance, you should be madly in love. You shouldn't be slip sliding into other people's DMs. And if you are, and it's just a joke, that's fine. And if you're just saying this and you're just you're just fucking Josh, and that's cute, it's fine. But there's always some truth to it, isn't there? It seems to be. Historically speaking, there's always some truth to it. I think you really got to ask yourself, should you be getting married? If you're slip sliding into my DMs and you've got a fucking fiance, bro, you might want to say no at the altar. Save you both some some heartache and pain. It's more heart heartbreaking and painful to go through a relationship with somebody who doesn't matter to you and somebody who doesn't set your soul on fire, you know, than it is to just be upfront and be honest about what you want and what you need, even though it might hurt people right then and there. The hurt and pain will be a lot less damaging. There won't be children involved. And, the, you know, it's, I know it's not always perfect and neat and clean. Believe me, I know that. I come from a broken home. I totally know that firsthand, that going into something might be great. Coming out of it is a totally different scenario. And that's not to say that all is lost in that, truthfully. I think relationships are vehicles to different parts of our life, and people are are the drivers to that. They are a vehicle for us to get through different eras in our life. And I don't think all relationships are meant to last. I think they're meant to teach. And I think that we keep getting into relationships with the same type of person because we're not willing to learn the lesson. We're not willing to see that there's something to be taught and learn. We're just trying to cast blame and, and getting into these trauma supporting and these trauma sort of um, it, like not convincing, but what am I trying to say? Like enforcing like these trauma enforcing patterns that, we just keep attracting the same type of person so we can keep going through those vicious cycles because we don't want to heal or we don't even realize we're in a broken wheel that's broken because of trauma we're not willing to deal with. Sometimes it's hard to deal with something you can't see. So I think it's you know important to really ask yourself why you're in a relationship. Is it because you love this person or is it because you're afraid to be alone? And I think if it's because you're afraid to be alone, then the only answer is to be alone and sit in that and figure out why it is, not drag somebody else into that loneliness because we do that so often. We drag people into our psychosis and we drag, drag people into our pathologies so that we don't have to deal with them, so that we're not alone with them. 
And instead of getting in a relationship, you should get into a doctor's office and give yourself a chance to live a life free of your trauma and live a life free of a narrative that you've been telling yourself so that you don't have to grow or adapt. And I'm speaking all of this from experience. I'm speaking all of this from my own personal experience and the work I've done on myself and what I've realized about myself on the other side of experiences that are traumatic and heartbreaking and on the other side of implementing things into my life that make me face those traumas and those fears and, and make me understand why uh, I am afraid of certain things or why I act a certain way. I think it's true emotional freedom to that we experience when we break ourselves down like a puzzle. There is real emotional freedom in that if you're willing to face your own demons and understand that most of the demons we call our own are in fact not our own. They're others that we're carrying and why we're carrying them is the source to our freedom and our emotional liberty. Um, and, and it comes at a cost. It's not a cheap thing to do. And there is a resource um, scarcity for a lot of people because of where they live or the type of family they have or the type of environment or society they're in. They might not have access to these <clears throat> therapies that I do. Living in a state like California, I can go get, you know, a therapist guided DMT session. I can go and have a slightly legal psilocybin trip or an ayahuasca ceremony at some guys named Biff's house on the you know coast. I could I can go into the dispensary and buy edibles and joints and weed and tinctures and concentrates. I, I can get you know behavioral therapy. There's I have access to all these amazing doctors. So I realize that from a standpoint I do have a certain privilege not being a white person but specifically more more specifically being a person that lives in a state that has these things that are accessible and obviously there are the um, issues and disparities and um, discrepancies that exist within class and within culture and race I'm not getting into that that's not what this is about this is more about realizing what you have and what you can work with in order to evolve into the person that you deserve to become because until you do that, you're going to attract people who reflect the person you think you are and, the, and reflect the ideologies and, and treatment you think you deserve. And most of that is based on a trauma or traumatic experience. And it's not even based in the truth because it's based in the past and the past is already gone. The past is already done. So most of what we tell ourselves is based in fears and lies. So it, it's 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 a really useful thing to step into a, a space in your life where you're willing to go, why am I the way I am? And you can use that to grow. And so, sir, I don't know if you're joking about sliding in my DMs and having a fiance, but I hope some of that stuck with you. <laughs> I hope some of that connected. Um, and then we have questions like John B. McMasters, who says, my balls itch constantly. I don't know why. Legit issue. You know, you could have an allergy as much as I love to make a leap from self-discovery to nut itch, you could have an allergy to detergent, your soap. I would check your detergent that you're using because it's, you have to look at like what your balls are touching the most. And I'm going to guess it's not chins. It's probably underwear. That wasn't shade. It was a fact. I doubt your balls are being dipped on girls' faces and cheeks. I'm sure it's cotton. I would look at your detergent 
I also would look at getting like an allergy test, maybe get schedule an appointment with an internalist and a dermatologist and see what makes them nuts so sensitive. Why are you so sad? I want to ask your nuts that. Tabber 512 pornography addiction. That's interesting. You know, as somebody who comes from an analog era, porn is such an interesting thing because porn was really thriving in the 80s and 90s, 90s specifically, before everything went digital and you know, they had the girls gone wild. You could buy all these tapes and you go to the CD stores out here in Syracuse. It was Salt City. I think it was called Salt City um, Tape or Salt, Cinema, Salt City. I forget what it was called, but it was out in Mattydale, I think is where you could buy your pornography. You really have to check yourself, I think, when it comes to porn. I think there's a huge separation that happens when we rely upon technology to do things that we can do with our own mind, body, and spirit. I think the less we implement tools like that, and I'm not talking about tools like a hammer or an axe because I, those, the technology of that is, isn't connected to uh, a web space. You know, the technology of that was just in the manufacturing of it, and then it does, it's actually useful. I think I'm, I'm referring to more of these tools like internet and web and laptop and your phone. I think the more we implement that, the less connected we become to our bodies, and in turn, the less connected we become to other people. And that's not to say porn isn't useful and you can use it. Sure, put on a little fucking porno. It's even really useful if you watch it with your loved one. You know, you could use it in a relationship, especially a relationship that's maybe suffering sexually a little bit where it's become a little stagnant or dry. It's a little bit of a dry season you're having and the sex isn't really happening the way it normally does. Watching pornography can sort of get the wheels turning a little bit, you know, thinking outside the box and looking into somebody else's box can really get your juices flowing. (laughs) But I think for the most part, if you if you really are having a pornography addiction, you might want to step back. You might want to step back and, and do a little abstinence for a while. I did that for almost two years for myself just to see if I could and to see what I would learn. And, and what I learned is that, that boredom is boring as fuck, but you can find some mental clarity and liberty by not constantly satisfying yourself. Um, I think once you can get over that heap of needing to be satiated, you can tap into a different aspect of your mind and your and your capabilities, your meta capabilities and your your ability to problem solve and all of that. I know sex is a basic need, but also being able to not give in to all of your desires can also be liberate, liberating for yourself. And I don't know a lot specifically about porn addiction. I'm sure there's some level of trauma that plays a role in it and maybe a level of abuse plays a role in it like so many different things I will say that lessening your exposure to it I think will deepen your experience of sex which is the irony of it because you you know you'd assume that watching more porn might make it better for you and I do think in some instances it can but in this specific instance where we're discussing addiction I think we're towing a really dangerous line of um, satisfying a need and satisfying an addiction. And because both of those things are being met, it might be easier to chop it up as you just satisfying a need instead of really acknowledging an addiction. And by you sending this, I think you are acknowledging 
like I said, I'm not a real doctor. I'm just somebody who's experienced a lot and enjoy sharing and helping other people grow. And I think by you at least even appearing on this and dropping that in, and maybe it's not even you, maybe it's somebody you know, maybe you thought it would open up a good conversation, which it has, I think. I think that realizing that the the less we use it, the more we might use it, meaning our bodies and find a deeper connection with our bodies. Um, as a woman, I know it can be challenging for us. I think just physiologically, it's fucking challenging because we got to like go in there. It's like, you know, it's like the creepiest place to lose your keys. <laughs> and I love myself. And I'm saying that, you know, it's weird. Our bodies are so strange. I feel like, I'm, you know, there's obviously a mess for both men and women, but we start off with the mess and end with the mess. You know, it's like, of course, <laughs> I'm not going to do a whole whoa, woman is me bullshit rant, but it is kind of funny that we start with a mess and end with a mess and you guys just end with the mess. And I feel like your mess is a little bit easier to clean up. But I, I do think that, you know, women having a little bit more of a challenging time with their sexuality, porn might be helpful for them. It might help them learn some different tricks and learn different things that they might like and expose themselves to different scenarios and ideas. And, um, and on the other, other hand, it might not be good at all. You know, I think that there's a give and take to all of it, but I think having an uh, understanding of where you're coming from and, and what you're what your goals are and why you do what you do will help you sort of figure out and navigate what way you need to go and what direction you need to turn in in order to discover what's the healthiest approach for you. And, and I hope you find that for yourself, honestly, because fucking's fun, especially fucking yourself because it's the easiest thing to do and the healthiest, you know, I'm not going to have some baby I can't care for, for from fucking myself. Thank God, you know, I don't have to worry about that. And I think by you, you know, sort of figuring out what works for you in a healthy way can make you realize maybe you don't need porn. Maybe one day you won't need it at all. And, and it just becomes uh, something you think about once in a while. But uh, Tabor, Tabor, maybe that's a fake name. Maybe it's a surname. I don't know what it is. I hope you find out. I hope you figure it out. And, and there's so many resources for you out there. And there's no shame in your game. Stepping forward and being like, yo, porn addiction. You might not even be addicted. You might just been like, boom, let's see what she does with this. And, you know, I got a lot of different porno categories. I don't have a favorite one yet, but I'll let you know. I'll keep you updated. And uh, I hope you guys took something home from today's episode. We, we covered a lot from itchy nuts to emotional liberation, you know, and those things go hand in hand, just like your nuts can go right in your hand. And if you guys want to have your questions asked or answered by Dr. Peluso, you can go to my Instagram stories every Monday. We usually drop the question about in the afternoon time and you have 24 hours to type it in and I'll either answer it right on my Instagram or right here on my podcast. And don't forget to check out the video on YouTube and my spring tour with Carly Aquilino will be April, May, and June. We're going to come to Nashville, Tennessee. We're coming to Chicago, New York. Um, Atlanta, uh, um, P Pennsylvania, I believe, a bunch of different states. Check out it. Check it out. <laughs> you literally are just watching my brain shut down. Burr, 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 burr. Thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate you. Have a great week.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.